The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. So you're here because you want to know modern, vintage, everything in the world of card collecting today. Chuck, he's the collector, and Joe, he's the dealer, welcome you to the best card talk that covers it all. From the hottest new cases to 67 high numbers, all brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Breathe easier about life with Oxygen Financial. Visit OxygenFinancial.net and buy sports card investor the leading source for videos podcasts and articles about investing in sports cards profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com collector dealer take it away Yeah, we'll take it away. I am Chuck Oliver. I'm the collector. He's Joe Davis. He's the dealer. We're here because of support from Oxygen Financial. For me and my wife, it's investments, it's taxes, insurance, long-range and short-term planning, all with Oxygen Financial, and it has been for us for years. Breathe easier with Oxygen Financial. Also, thanks to Sports Card Investor, that's Jeff Wilson, uh, on YouTube, on his personal site, sportscardinvestor.com. Uh, Jeff provides a lot of information. It's all free, brother. You go to that YouTube channel, new episodes go up, and uh, he really has done a great job with videos and the information behind it, explaining what the next card to pop in the industry may be. Joe, welcome, man. How you doing? Doing great, Chuck. Great to be back. Yeah, and uh, I think that uh, when I ask how you how you been, I think a little bit better than great, maybe, um, because with this episode is titled Michael Jordan and Everybody Else, and I'm going to going to reveal a text message that you sent to me uh, a couple of weeks ago quote i have i have guys asking for jordan cards that have been sitting in my one dollar box for years um joe literally over the last month anything involving michael jordan is as hot now as it has ever been it doesn't matter if it's cards memorabilia jerseys whatever uh if it's got jordan on it it is blistering hot yes yes um we are seeing uh, we, we're literally digging through old notebooks of Jordan singles from the early nineties to submit for grading. And literally this is stuff we were selling for a dollar. And now we're seeing closed listings for a hundred dollars, $200 and up depending on the card. And of course, tell everybody, uh, got baseball is your website. You also are a store owner set up at shows, et cetera. Um, so you've got a, a, a built in clientele of regulars, but I have to imagine there've been people just coming out of the woodwork, maybe getting back into the hobby or maybe just saying, Hey, I've never collected, but this last dance episode, uh, really got me fired up and it's, it has started with Jordan and it's kind of spread to Kerr and Rodman and Pippen and a lot of other players on the strength of what's happened the last sun, uh, month of Sunday nights. Oh, yeah, it's amazing when there's no other sports to watch and people are so used to tuning into ESPN and they watch The Last Dance and sometimes watch it over and over, speaking for myself. And so uh, people are really honing in on Jordan cards and a lot of the great, you know, the Hall of Famers from those teams. And, yeah, we're seeing 
incredible movement, not only on Jordan, but on Pippen and Rodman and, and even some of the lesser stars. And uh, it's insane. I, I have as much demand as I have seen for Jordan cards over the decades in the industry. I can obviously say I've never seen this much demand as we're seeing now and this many uh, upward spikes in, in pricing. I mean, I give you one example is the 91 Upper Deck SP, excuse me, 91 Upper Deck baseball card that's called SP1. It showed him in a White Sox uniform. It was a promotional uh, you know, shot they did where he was at a White Sox game, I guess. And uh, that card in a PSA 10, just, I looked, one just sold for $459. Uh, it's just insane. That's been like a $10 card forever in raw condition and maybe a $50 card in graded condition and it's gone up almost tenfold in graded condition. Well, let's go back to the beginning uh, with uh, Jordan then, and I'm going to need a little bit of history here because, I, you know, like a lot of folks, I think his rookie card is the 86-87 Fleer. Uh, what is the 85 Star Company card, and is that a real, quote, real rookie, authentic rookie? What is the reputation of that card? Because I don't know anything about it. You know, the, the accepted – uh, legitimate rookie is the 86 Fleer. Even though even though Star Company had multiple releases of him before that, they had the, the regular issue Star Company, then they had um, the, the best stickers of the news. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, they had a bunch of different ones. One of the problems with Star Company issues, uh, from what I have heard in the hobby over the years, is that many of those original issues were reprinted using the original, not not, not counterfeit, oh, the but plates. Rep- reproductions from the original plates uh, in, in years later, once once they were in demand. So, therefore, some of the grading companies, at least last time I checked, some of them would not even grade those cards uh, because they didn't know, was this printed in 84? Was it printed in 94 yeah. you know, or whatever? So, because of that so-called lack of legitimacy for those issues, most people just lean to the 86 Fleer, uh, which is the, the most respected and most chased after rookie card of Jordan. And should be. And, I mean, Tops did some weird stuff with basketball. They released one in 57, I believe, and then waited a dozen years. So in 69, I mean, you look and you see so many, quote, rookie cards. They are the first card of, you know, Bill Bradley, for instance, but he'd already been in the league. Um, right. And then they did the same thing after the 81 set. They took five years off. And so that 86 set in general, it's Malone, it's Barkley, it's all of these all-timers, and they're all legitimately yeah. their, quote, rookie cards. Yeah, yeah. You got Dominique, Drexler, Isaiah Thomas. Paxton? Yeah, Elijah Wan. I mean, it was, it was loaded. Um, and so talk about the prices of individual packs. And because when you buy on open stuff – that is one case where I don't make any exceptions. I would only buy graded, and most often I would only buy from a place like Baseball Card Exchange. And I don't know if you have a, re- a relationship with them. I want to comment, but yeah. but but uh-huh. you have to be real careful buying uh, on open stuff. But talk about some of the prices for the '86 Fleer because the boxes are up to about seventy-five grand, aren't they? Correct. Yeah. So you're talking over two thousand dollars a pack. Um, and so, you know, you're hoping, and they still sell, you know, because like you said, you've got the shot, because it was only a 132-card set, you have an average of about three and a half Jordan cards per box. So, you know, you've got pretty good odds, and then, of course, you've got all the other rookies. So even when you're talking about spending two grand a pack, you know, you're most times you're going to lose money, but you may not 
lose it all. You know, even even a high like a PSA ten Barkley, several thousand as well now. Mm-hmm. So some of the other guys are catching on, but um, yeah, it's insane. I remember back in the day going to some Atlanta shows in the early nineties and literally pulling Jordan rookies out of packs, and I was paying ten dollars a pack back then. So. They have definitely uh, blown up in price as well because it, it's shocking to say. I mean, you think about 86 tops, which you can still buy for like $30 a box. Then you got 86 clear basketball at 75000 a box. So. And am I yeah. correct that on the 86 Fleer, the individual packs, you can tell, maybe it's not the top card, but is it the sticker that's on top? And, and I also make a rule that if I'm buying a pack, I'm buying it from someone like Baseball Card Exchange or I'm buying out of a freshly opened box because – if if there's a way to find out what's in there, somebody has found out what's in there if it's an already, you know, quote, loose box. Yes, the stickers came on the back of the pack. However, the wax on the front is semi-transparent. And that being said, you can, and a lot of unscrupulous dealers have done this, you can push down on the pack, see the top card, and... Fleer back then printed in certain sequences, mm-hmm. so you you could often see uh, you could they did this in baseball as well. You could see the top card, and then you'll know pretty much who else is in the pack. So therefore, you could I mean you could literally go to a show and a guy goes, oh yeah, it's a fresh box, you know, and there may not be a Jordan in the box because they could have already been pulled out of the packs that are going to have a Jordan down inside of them could already be removed. So you have to be really, really careful. All right, uh, strategy question. Um, and this uh, this could go to Jordan because he's so hot right now or any of the cards in the 86 Fleer. Um, or it can go to, I don't know, Jackie Robinson, whoever you want to apply it to. Um, and we see this, and it's time-tested. It's happened for decades, Joe. When the, when the price of the rookie card finally reaches that point where people are going – yeah, I need a second mortgage for that. Um, mm-hmm. Attention slides to the 53 mantle, for instance. Um, yeah. And then it's always the second card, second card, second card. And you know what I found? There are some way affordable second-year cards that are gorgeous that have basically been ignored for a long time. Um, you can talk about that principle if you would, but also specifically the second-year uh, 87 Fleer Jordan. Yeah, they are an absolute bargain right now. I mean, they. I mean, I say that they've probably doubled in price re- recently as well. But by comparison, I mean, yeah, PSA eights for you know a nice near mint mint card on Jordan. They're in the high three hundreds right now in his second year, whereas you know an eight on the rookie. Well, I, I know I just looked up an eight and a half for a customer yesterday because somebody just graded one with us, and an eight and a half is like seven thousand dollars on a rookie now. So, and what's the uh, uh, second year? Second year is in the high three hundreds. Oh, that's a that's the bargain. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, part two of episode eight of the collector and the dealer, and a special treat. Uh, Chuck and Joe are going to welcome Doctor James Beckett straight from Dallas, right here on the Collector and the Dealer. That's next. <laughs> I told you back at the beginning that Joe and I are here because of support from Oxygen Financial. They're a sponsor of the collector and the dealer. But where my wife and I are, that's also in part thanks to Oxygen Financial. We've been personal clients of Oxygen for several years now. And originally, it was for help with our taxes, looking to pay what we're supposed to, but not more. And we had been paying more for years, actually, it turned out. With Oxygen's help, that immediately changed for the better. And my wife and I decided... 
Let's see what Oxygen thinks of our investments and overall strategy. Well, it's three years later after making that choice, I can tell you that we do breathe easier when it comes to the market. Uh, we, we breathe easier than at any time before getting with Oxygen Financial, and that's even including the current issues that all of us everywhere are dealing with. If you might have a question about where you and your family are, any at all, take the step we did. Visit OxygenFinancial.com. Breathe easier about life. Visit OxygenFinancial.com. If you're looking to change things on the sports card market, well, you may want to get with Jeff Wilson and Sports Card Investor. There's a popular thought in the sports card world Uh, that there are basically two approaches. You can love the hobby and you can profit from the industry. Well, thanks to Sports Card Investor, you can do both. Jeff has built his Sports Card Investor YouTube channel and his personal website, sportscardinvestor.com, so that if you're a beginner looking to flip cards for cash or a returning veteran to the hobby, wanting to make sure you get the best deals ahead of any emerging price trends, Sports Card Investor is for you. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com. Welcome back to the collector and the dealer, vintage, modern, and everything else in today's sports card world. I am Chuck Oliver. He is Joe Davis. I'm the collector. He's the dealer. And for the second part of this episode... Wow. If the hobby that became an industry has celebrities, uh, I think our guest today certainly qualifies. Uh, I want to welcome from the Dallas area. It is Dr. James Beckett. Uh, Dr. Jim, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Chuck and Joe. Yeah, I appreciate your time today. And I just want to uh, ask you, I mean, we can cover obviously everything with you, but um, when I said it was a hobby that became an industry, that's how far back you go. I mean, you were just a hobby store owner going back four plus decades ago. I'm not sure it was a business back in the early days. It definitely was a hobby and a close knit group of uh, mostly guys that, uh, loved uh, sports and loved cards and it just kind of grew and grew and at some point it became an industry hey jim it's great to have you on today um with your with your decades of experience you know we're going through a crazy time in the hobby right now we're seeing a lot of people come back that um you know i know in our own store we're seeing people return what words of wisdom would you give to returning collectors who are coming back to the market uh, after maybe after 10, 20 years are coming back in and they're facing a whole new ball game. Uh, to, you know, what words of wisdom would you give to them to help them navigate the industry as it is today versus what they might have experienced 20, 30 years ago? Well, the problem could be that what they think they know, they, they no longer know that, that some things have, have really changed. And uh, so I would, uh, you know, it's great to jump in with both feet, but you also need to be uh, cautious that, uh, again, what the the rules of the hobby from back uh, 20, 30 years ago from when somebody perhaps was a kid, uh, some of those rules are are, uh, are not applicable anymore. So uh, to get the lay of the land, to find a, a dealer or a, a trusted veteran that you can uh, that you can trust and rely upon. It's, it, I, I don't think this would be a fun experience to navigate uh, on your own because uh, it's, it's, it's crazy out there. 
Joe Davis and Chuck Oliver continuing episode eight, The Collector and the Dealer, joined by Dr. James Beckett. And, Doctor, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, what Joe was saying. You know, if somebody's returning after 10, 20 years, totally different ball game. Uh, I think that if it's been maybe long enough, and it'd be a little more than 20 years, but um, if someone is really starting an initial download of the environment, the landscape of the grading industry, um, what would be your advice to them? Because I know that when, when I first got back into the hobby late 90s, my first impulse, oh, I'm sending a bunch of cards off. And then they came back with fours and fives and sixes and didn't really achieve anything. Um, so what would be your advice just to someone who's really just now getting into submitting cards? Again, I think you've got to be having somebody you could trust. What Joe does over uh, in his, uh, in his uh, shop is, is uh, very helpful because if you can't, if you don't pre-screen your grading, I mean, grading seems like a very simple concept. It is for the grading companies. You send them uh, your stuff, and they'll for a price they'll they'll give you a, a grade. But the problem is, not everything is worth being graded. And uh, when when Joe can pre-screen it for his customers, uh, that's very helpful. It's going to save uh, frustration plus uh, plus money. Because, uh, as you said, not everything is worth being graded if it comes back with a low grade. And if you don't have a, a, a particular eye for something that seems almost perfect, almost perfect can be a nine, but it can also be a four if the blemish is uh, uh, deemed, uh, you know, at that level by the different grading companies. Jim, one question I had for you uh, that a lot of our listeners may not know is, I know you sold uh, Beckett Media years ago, but tell everyone how – I know you're still a passionate collector and you're still uh, very involved in the hobby. Share ways that you stay connected to the hobby, even though you don't run a day-to-day entity anymore. Yeah, you know, I, I sold uh, uh, Beckett Publications, which then become Beckett, became Beckett Media back 15 years ago now, and I've uh, – really pretty retired from the business side of it and yet i still sell a little bit on com c uh occasionally do a sprinkling of things on ebay uh, go to some shows i'm trying to take the, the the business aspect of it uh and turn it back into a hobby for myself which means doing some uh uh, you know, going to a card show is more of a collector, even though I do buy stuff that, that I'll resell a little bit. It's not on the order necessarily of a business as much as just fun to to go and uh, visit, enjoy the ambiance, but also look through some cards and buy some things that I find interesting. So always hit the national. And then uh, in the last uh, year, I started a podcast, which is uh, – maybe appropriately named Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. And so I actually do a daily podcast where I do 10, 12, 15 minutes uh, of, of... The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money 
are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Uh, not just reminiscences, but what's going on and uh, interview some really interesting people such as uh, yourself, Joe, and, uh, and really having a good time with that. So I'm trying to straddle being a, a longtime veteran in the industry that really was involved in the business aspects to to also being a hobbyist and leaning more toward being a hobbyist and uh that's just been a lot of fun dr beckett um i only buy vintage uh i if there's any choice i only buy raw and i complete master sets now i'm also realistic uh i know that and, and by the way my ocd also requires i mean i've got some really nice stuff i'll just leave it at that um but I also am realistic. I know that I'm never going to get the 69 mantle white letter ungraded. All right. Not, not in a grade that I would want in my set. So I buy graded sometimes. But, but by and large, I only buy vintage and I only buy raw cards. Um, what is your advice? Because I've got a magnifying glass, a jeweler's loop. I mean, I've got all of that. But I would guarantee you in my thousands of cards, I promise you I have bought a trimmed or altered card, and I just didn't catch it. Um, from, for, for, from that standpoint, just making sure the card is authentic, uh, what would be your advice for me and, and others like me? Well, uh, Chuck, I, I think you're being – I'd like you to reconsider your uh, – uh, your your uh, strategy there. I do think there are, are many opportunities in the hobby when you're at a show or you're looking at something where the card that you're looking for in a grade of five, let's say, still a, a, a nice card, but a, but a very well-presented uh, BGS five, let's say, uh, can be considerably cheaper than than the raw version of the card where you and, and still look nice and you avoid that possibility of, uh, of trimming and, and alteration. So uh, I'd like to see you moderate on, uh, again, when you, when you go for the, for the graded cards in the very highest grades, it, it can get stratospheric pretty quickly. But in the uh, four, fives, and sixes, uh, sevens even in certain things, you can, you can get them for cheaper than the, uh, than the raw card and, uh, and, and potentially sleep better at night. Yeah, and that is one of the challenges for me is that, um, again, I'm pretty condition sensitive. And so, um, I mean, Joe's seen some of my stuff, some of it, but it's probably, I mean, it's, it's, it's the upper end of condition. And I just, I know that when I'm buying like 67 commons, you know, for $6 or $8 or $12 for really, really nice ones, that's one thing. But when you're looking at a Rod Carew rookie and it's $800 and I was like, I really would like somebody with equipment and materials to, to find out this because I'm sitting here with my LED lit jewelers loop and I'm about to give this guy eight $100 bills. So uh, you're right. When you get up to the upper end of it, um, you really want some certainty. Well, your your instincts are correct. I mean, the higher the uh, the higher the appear, appearing grade, and the higher dollar value of the card, unfortunately, the more likely it is that somebody took the time to uh, to alter it or uh, shave one of the sides to 
to uh, you know a, a, a 67 tops common that's that's uh, perfect in every way except for centering. Uh, if you can alter that into a a nine or a 9.5 or a 10, uh, you've created a much higher demand card with a much higher price. So I I'd be leery. Chuck, when you see something that's uh, in, especially if so, if somebody has a whole bunch of them, uh, then that's one thing. But when they just have an isolated card, like you said, a career rookie, uh, and it's not graded, there's there's going to be some suspicion there. Absolutely, and you can't. And the ruler that you bring out, your atomic ruler, is is still probably not going to be calibrated enough in at a show to be able to determine that it's uh, one uh, uh, 32nd of an inch uh, too, too narrow. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Jim, you know, we, all three of us lived through the boom of the mid-80s, you know, through the early 90s when the hobby was just on fire. And we also all know that, products were printed in massive quantities as a general rule in those days. Um, how exciting is it to you? And can you explain the fact that all of a sudden over the last six weeks or so, we are suddenly seeing huge demand again for late 80s, early 90s, star cards, rookies. I mean, I'm seeing 87 tops McGuire's selling for $200 in a PSA 10. And you know, can you explain that when we all know how much product is out there, how that stuff is finally, it's really, I actually just wrote a new blog article that said the, the late 80s and early 90s are hot again. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, if, if you're sitting here with a bunch of uh, uh, 87 tops McGuire's, uh, that you're you're uh, you're salivating. The only problem is if you send it into uh, uh, PSA or BGS, uh, you you're unlikely to get a ten. And uh, even if you would get a ten, you might be waiting, uh, uh, as PSA says, a year. If you send in your own cards, they've got a uh, a million card uh, backlog, and and Beckett uh, grading has similar. And even though SGC's coming on. Uh, it's still not an instant uh, 10, and right. uh, so there's no sure thing. And so, yeah. you know, but there's so much 87 tops out there. You'd think that you could get bricks of, of 100 to 1,000 of the same player back in the day. And uh, if you go through those, the problem is you can't grade all 1,000 of them or you – no. Well, actually, if you send in a thousand cards to any of the grading services, they'll gladly take your money. But um, being able to identify a, a, a strict ten is uh, is art and science. And um, and uh, if somebody can do that, they're going to do well in this industry. If their eyesight is so good, they can look at a row of ten uh, eighty-seven tops and McGuire's and say, "This is the one to get graded." And it's going to get a 9.5 or a 10. I'm Chuck Oliver. He's Joe Davis. This is The Collector and the Dealer, Episode 8. Wrapping up our time with Dr. James Beckett, just a couple of more questions. And, yeah, by the way, on the 87 Tops things, if the B.J. Surhoff and Corey Schneider rookies ever take off, uh, folks, y'all won't see me around anymore, I promise. Um, 
Doctor, I want to ask you about two sets, and uh, you and I have a, a mutual friend, Roger Newfelt, who people in the industry know for the quality and the honesty and pricing and everything else. He's just a treasure in the industry. Um, and I go to him for advice sometimes, and he thinks I, I enjoy paying because of the sets that I collect, and it's always with tabs if they're – like my red mans are with tabs if there's an option, um, and it's always highest quality. Um, which takes years and years and years to complete some sets. Well, my next two sets that I'm thinking are 1963 Jello and 1958 Hires Root Beer with Tabs. Uh, the way Roger put it on the Jello, he said, you'll be able to get those. He said, until you get down to the final half dozen, he says, be prepared to buy from someone wearing a mask, carrying a gun. Uh, and he said, and I'll even tell you what the cards are. So uh, give me your input for 1963 Jello or 58 Hires Root Beer with tabs. Is, this is going to take me 10 years? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, basically, I had a set of 50 of the, of the, of the Hires, and they were, I actually got the set. I've, I've since traded it off. You know, one of my great trades that I probably ought to talk about, but I traded it uh, unwittingly, not unwittingly, but I traded it. Actually, I traded it, I think, for a 57 Tops baseball set, which sounds like a great trade, except that I, I can't find 50, the, the hires in the in 57 top sets. At any rate, uh, you might find a, a bunch of the of the hires. As far as the jellos, there's some really tough cards in there. They're frequently miscut, and uh, and uh, the but the hope I would encourage you for the for the uh, 63 jello is that there if you stealth look through some. Um, 63 post oh yeah you're that's where you'll find the bargain right because they're the just just don't if they say they don't have any jellos just uh look at the 63 post anyway and you you can you can tell the difference when they're side by side because the 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 star pattern you know the 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 uh the, the density of the print or the uh, is uh, it's just slightly off. It's, if you handle enough 63 posts uh, or 63 jellos, you'll know the difference. And when you do, the, the difference can be quite stark because, as you know, the post cereals are, were priced based on what cereals they came on and jello, probably, probably something similar. But all those jellos are tough, way tougher than the post, I think. Oh, yeah. But good, yeah, luck. Had- good luck. I mean, the, again, you you might find a clump of uh, well, again, if you find a, a, a former um, a collector that's divesting, there, you know, or in an auction, you may find a, a higher set, and you might find a, you, you might find a, a Jello set or near set, but that that get pricey, I bet. Oh yeah, yeah, it, and it makes the pursuit fun. Joe, what were you going to ask? Uh, Jim, I was just going to ask. Uh, you know, after all your years in the hobby where we're at today in the industry, what excites you today, where we're at today here in 2020, going forward for the future of the hobby? What what are you excited about, whether it's products or trends or developments, uh, within, you know, changes technologically within the industry? What kind of things uh, excite you about uh, to give you hope for the future of the hobby? Well, I mean, mainly it's it's trending. You know, we've got uh, – you know, there, there's a lot of uh, dynamic – uh, there's a dynamic element here that, as we found out in the last uh, six to eight weeks, 
it's not just based on the brand new cards coming out. It's uh, people looking to um, uh, earlier cards of their current heroes as well as their uh, their their vintage favorites. So the 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 the, the breadth and depth of the hobby is uh, as I talk about the long tail. I mean, it's definitely been evident that uh, people are not just interested in in Zion and Luca or Trey, as I pay homage to your Atlanta Hawks. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. But, yeah. but we're we're Luca people around here. But it's a lot more than that. So basketball's really come on strong, but football's uh, right there. Baseball, even hockey, is super passionate collectors. So uh, I see a lot of strength and I see a lot of depth and breadth, as I said. And and uh, if that uh, continues, I mean, it's just a great hobby. I mean, I'm, Mike, I'm trying to make a case that I think it's the greatest hobby that you could have because you can pick it up, you can put it down, you can potentially make money off it, uh, but you can also just have a lot of fun and meet some kindred spirits who uh, share your love of cards and sports. Well, Dr. Beckett, I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, we are going to do this again. Uh, I can't wait for that to happen as well, but I really appreciate you working us into your schedule. Thank you, sir. Thank you for doing the, your uh, interesting podcast. I'm a subscriber to yours as well, so I'll look forward to listening to this episode especially. That is Dr. James Beckett. All right, Doc, we're going to let you run, and then we're going to record the rest of this episode. Can I want to ask you a quick question when I have you on the phone, though, and it is so much of a rabbit hole, I didn't want to ask it necessarily on the podcast. Um, I collect the 63 Pepsi-Cola Colt 45 hang tags, and yeah. I have everything except – I have the Warwick card. I don't have the Bateman, and I've never even yeah. heard that one exists with the schedule attached. Do you have any opinion about that? Uh, the, I had some with uh, not Bateman. I don't think I had a Bateman, but uh, I had the Warwick. But I think some of those tougher ones I had without the hang tags. Okay. I had I had the the basic group of twelve or whatever it is with the hang tags, and then the tougher ones weren't. And even though uh, you know I wasn't in this area, well, I guess I was, but I don't I don't remember them at the time. I remember yeah. just picking them up in a in a collection, but that's. That's um, you know, good luck on that. That's uh, that that's that's just a rare card. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I've seen. My understanding is there's about twenty of the Batemans, but none of them have the. Nobody has ever. I've never seen one or heard yeah. a confirmed version with the schedule attached. Anyway, you're busy. I appreciate your time, amigo. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Wow, Dr. James Beckett on the Collector and the Dealer podcast. Uh, so awesome to have his time. And like I said, we got him committed. He's going to come back on at another point. Uh, wrapping up this episode, uh, we got your two features at the end of each episode. The first one, Joe buys a box. Uh, we release this every Thursday and ahead of the weekend so that Joe tells us which box he is going to buy and rip open to pass his Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Joe buys a box. What's it going to be this weekend? Joe buys a box you know i'm actually going back to 1987 top the year that i broke i opened tons of it but you know it's uh with all the demand for mcguire cards and other guys in that set again it'd be fun to relive that and, and pop one of those again absolutely in the 87 tops um and the donors as well with the black borders yeah. um 
I mean, you look at the rookies in there. It is McGuire, obviously, but it was supposed to be Ruben Sierra. I mentioned B.J. Serhoff and and uh, Cal Daniels. Barry Larkin is in there, and he's a Hall mm-hmm. of Famer. Um, that yeah. it is still. I think the Palmero has a rookie in there as well. Yeah. So many great cards. Will Clark as well. Um, no do, you, do you think that that after thirty three years, that at least some of the inventory has been absorbed? Yeah, I, I know that a large amount of our own inventory has been uh, because, you know, we've had times where we had case after case of that. But uh, right now we, uh, we're we down to just a few boxes in the store and actually sold some yesterday. So uh, a lot of people are buying it to rip. You know, a lot of people are buying it to rip to uh, send off the Maguires and even the Bo Jacksons and the Barry Bonds. Of course, you can't forget oh, Barry. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, that was '87 was the year I really got back really strong in the hobby uh, when I was starting college, and uh, so I have fond memories of that set. If I could ask you, if you could remember, um, obviously, and I'll tell people, a box is obviously 36 packs in 1987. A case is is it 20 or 24 boxes? Yeah, 20. 20. Okay, 20 boxes. Yeah. So how much, if you go back a year, two years, three years, how much was a box selling for and how much for a case? Not not your price. If I walked in off the street and said, I want a box or a case. Uh, I mean, forever, it seems like full retail has been like $10 a box yeah. or $200 a case. And now, now, you know, it's probably $25. I mean, it's more than doubled probably just in the last couple months. That is so unreal. It took three decades, and it didn't, man. Joe's right, folks. You could go on eBay anytime the last five, ten years, and, I mean, it, you couldn't get it off $10, $12 with a crowbar, and now it's yeah. suddenly some sort – you know, it's a version of hot. That's a, that's really interesting. All right, our other uh, feature, Chuck's Vintage Set of the Week, and I'm not even staying in baseball this week. I'm going the 1969 Topps football cards. Uh, Joe, I have to imagine you any 69 Topps football card – um, that is in your case, it immediately stands out. Uh, the first series, it bleeds right to the edge of the card. The mm-hmm. second series does have that white border, but it's known yeah. for its colorful design and superstars and good rookies too. Oh, yeah. I, I, have a, uh, I was uh, very blessed to have a really high-grade set of that that we broke down for grading, and we got a couple of nines on a couple of Hall of Famers, and yeah, they're very, very – one of my all-time favorite sets in football. It is uh, 132 cards in the first set. That includes the Namath, which is his uh, fourth card, I guess. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, fifth card. Uh, yeah. And then the second series goes to card 263. There's a checklist in there as well. Uh, but it's just a gorgeous, beautiful set. The rookies are good. Um, Larry Zonka, Brian Piccolo, who you may or may not know, but you mm-hmm. should – uh, but the Hall of Famers carry the day, including turning some of the cards over, and they make a puzzle of Fran Tarkenton, who's another Hall of Famer. So the 69 Tops football, um, outside of the 65 set, Tall Boys, Namath, Rookie, it probably carries the day when it comes to the 1960 football sets. Uh, and it's awesome because that's by design, that's by star power, not necessarily driven by rookies. So that concludes Episode 8, The Collector and the Dealer. Join us again next Thursday for the next episode. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. 
And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win.